You know, there are those who are very religious and they like to practice their religion, but do they really know God? Mm. Very good question. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembert. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. That's exactly what we're doing, discovering the Bible. Luke 5 is where we study today. It's going to be very interesting. We'll do that in about five minutes. Ryan is going to be here in 20 minutes, right? Yeah, well, today I'm actually going to be focused on Luke 4, where Jesus quotes a very important prophecy from Isaiah 61. All right, look forward to that. Isaiah 61, what a great passage. What did you do, Janice? Segment today is called The Power of the Lord. All right, very good. And also, Brian is here. Brian Como from Kennedy Road Tabernacle. So good to have you, Brian. Thank you. Excellent. So we'll talk to him in just a minute, about 20 minutes. Stay there. Let's open up the Bible guide. The Bible guide is important. If you don't have one, we'll tell you how to get one in just a moment. But open up the Bible, the most important book of all, and let's mm -hmm. listen to what God is saying to us now. Luke 5, 17-26 now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said to him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who is paralyzed, I say to you, Arise, Take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. Well, today on this Monday, we begin with Luke chapter five and six. This is interesting. I mean, how would you begin to prove that God does not exist? I mean, really, what would you point to? Well, most people focus on all of the terrible things happening in the world and they blame God, conveniently letting the people doing these terrible things off the hook. Now, the argument is that God would not let anything bad happen to us if he really was a good God. But what if God is not a dominant dictator right now? What if we can choose him and the level of his involvement in our lives? What 
we expect from God and what God is like are vastly different. God is the supreme being. Nothing gets past him. And there will be judgment at the end of time. Everything we have done will be judged. Now, this is why we need to take Jesus Christ as Lord of our lives. You see, he provides forgiveness and clothes us with robes of righteousness. Jesus came to earth to teach and to heal people and to begin building his kingdom. And there were those religious men who did not want that to happen. They wanted their own ideas of religion to rule. But again, I say this, uh, people would say to me, well, you're a religious man. And I would say, I don't think so. I would say, I'm not religious. I follow Jesus Christ. I'm a Christian. And they always didn't understand that until I explained to them who Jesus Christ was. So Christians are somewhat different than religious people. Very interesting, isn't it? Today, a great display. Luke chapter 5, verses 17 to 26. This is a Gentile writer. Luke is an amazing writer. And as we begin to teach through this, you've already begun to read it or begun to read it in chapters 1 to 4. But as we begin to teach through this, it is fascinating. Take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage as we read Luke 5. And as we do so, we're going to focus on chapter 5, verse 17. Uh, because we've read the previous chapters in previous years. But this is something that we need to focus on because God speaks to us. If you don't have a Bible guide, call us or write to us or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, BibleDiscoveryTV.com and get your Bible guide so that you can join us. And thank you. want to say thank you so much for your donations. We very much appreciate them on stations that you're watching us because we pay for that airtime. And on, in, on the internet, we pay to be on the internet. And uh, there's cost to that. And so thank you for uh, supporting us and keeping us strong. We very much appreciate that. Now let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Father, we need help today as we look at a great display of who you are. Uh, we, we just need to really understand who you are from your scripture. So Luke is a Gentile writer and help us to hear him. And we thank you, Father, for the opportunity to come to so many people publicly and demonstrate this and pray this way. And we pray, Father, for them, that you would help them in this terrible time of inflation and everything else where things are going crazy. Just help them, Lord. They really need you today. And we need you today. So teach us your way and show us your paths. In Jesus' name, and we all sing together, amen. Luke chapter 15, it begins with verse 17. And this is an interesting verse. As we read it, it says, Now it happened on a certain day that he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea and Jerusalem, and all the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now this is amazing. The first point is, there are those who love and practice religious things, but hate God's work. I want to tell you that being religious is not a sign of following Christ. You say, wait a minute, Rod. I know you people are all religious. No, we're not. We follow Jesus Christ. We follow a person, not a set of laws, not a set of rules, not a set of morals. We follow a person, and that person, Jesus Christ, has taught us how to live. 
Now, whatever he follows, he follows God's law. He follows God's rule. That's fine, but we follow him. That's our primary directive. And so as we do that, we need to understand that we're not religious, but we follow Jesus Christ. That becomes important to remember. Now, let's go on to verse 18. And it says this as we begin to focus. Then, behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed. He couldn't walk, couldn't do any of that. Whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in, because the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, Jesus saw their faith, he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven you. I mean, this is absolutely stunning. Let's get a picture on this. Jesus forgave the sins of the man who had come to be healed. Now, Jesus focused on the man's greatest need, the forgiveness of his sins. That's what it was. Now, keep this in mind. They tore up the roof. They removed the roof. I mean, you can imagine Jesus sitting inside watching what in the world is going on. He knew, but everybody going, what's this? What's going on? Jesus doesn't move. Breaks open, they pull it back, and they drop him down in, right in front of Jesus. That is amazing. What does Jesus do? Does he say, well, who's going to fix the roof? No, he doesn't. He looks at their faith, and the man's there in front of him, and he says, your sins are forgiven you. That's the first thing he focused on. I'll tell you, that's what Jesus Christ came to do. He came to do that. Now, it's interesting. Let's read on in verse 21. And the scribes and the Pharisees, they began to reason saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and he said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you or to say rise up and walk? Which is easier? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise and take up your bed and go to your house. And immediately he rose up before them. He took what he had been lying on and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed. And they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. I want to tell you something, the third point, to demonstrate his authority, the authority of Jesus Christ over sin. Jesus did not hold back from healing him of his physical need. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ has all authority and the Lord Jesus Christ has all power. I'm telling you, he still does miracles today because Jesus Christ is Lord. The miracles that were done in the New Testament are remarkable. When we believe in God and when we trust in him to heal, that's exactly what he does. But if we don't believe in him and we don't trust him, well, that's a different story. And he told us that when he went back to his own hometown. What an interesting thought. This character of King Saul, this historical figure. Now, I think it's probably fair to say that most of us 
When we think of King Saul, we think of the bad guy foil to King David. But an entire book of the Bible is also dedicated to mostly his reign. Of course, that's 1 Samuel. So I'm really excited to jump into it today and see what we can learn about Saul. Welcome back to the program. Today our reading assignment is Luke chapters 5 and 6, but I want to turn back to chapter 4, which we read over the weekend, because there's something really important that I don't want us to miss. See, in Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 21, Jesus publicly reads from Isaiah 61, which contains a very well-known messianic prophecy. But he doesn't read the whole thing, which is really interesting. And then he says in verse 21, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Well, today we're going to turn back to Isaiah 61 to understand this prophecy in its full context and how Jesus was using it to fulfill a promise God had made. Check it out. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, the prophet Isaiah proclaims that the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Although the immediate context of this prophecy involved God's promise to release the Jewish people from the bondage of exile, it also looked ahead to the bigger picture, when God would release the entire world from the bondage of sin through a Messiah or a Savior. That this passage is ultimately referring to the Messiah is indisputable, since Isaiah many times identifies this Savior as the one whom the Spirit of the Lord God was upon. And just as God kept his short-range promise by delivering the Jews from exile, he also kept his long-range promise by liberating the entire world from sin, because just over 700 years later, he sent his promised Redeemer, whom he called Jesus, a name that means the Lord is salvation. Significantly, Jesus publicly announced and acknowledged his role at the synagogue in Nazareth by quoting this same Isaiah passage. As Luke 4, 17-21 records, And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to Jesus. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Jesus rolled up the scroll, and he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. While Jesus clearly identifies himself as the promised redeemer of the world whom Isaiah saw, notice that he doesn't finish the passage. As a matter of fact, Jesus stops mid-sentence just before Isaiah mentions God's day of vengeance. Why? Because, while the first portion of Isaiah's prophecy was fulfilled through Jesus' first coming, God's judgment of the wicked and his physical kingship over the world is reserved until the second coming, where Jesus will come not as a sacrificial lamb, but rather as a conquering lion. 
So in Isaiah 61, which Jesus quotes from in Luke 4, God promises coming deliverance to the Jewish exiles at that time, but he also promises deliverance to the entire world from sin and death through the Messiah, Jesus. And this was accomplished during his first coming through his perfect life, death, and resurrection. But notice that there's still more of this prophecy remaining to be fulfilled. Jesus indicated this by stopping partway through the prophecy. During his first coming, Jesus proclaimed liberty to the spiritual captives and recovered the sight of the spiritually blind. And he set at liberty those who were spiritually oppressed. And he proclaimed the year of the Lord's favor. But still to be fulfilled is the day of God's vengeance on the wicked and the comforting of the mourners. This will be a time when God deals with evil and establishes righteousness and justice on the earth and Jesus will rule the world as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You know, mm. Revelation chapter 19 is the place where that's described. Mm. And it is Jesus Christ differently than we've ever seen him before. Mm. And uh, that is really something. Now we'll get to Revelation at the end of the year. It's gonna be very good. So thank you, Ryan, for that, Janice. You know, what amazes me with the Word of God, there is so much information packed in such little spots that you could literally talk on and on and on about them. And as I was going through Luke chapter 5 this time, I noticed how that Jesus had cleansed a leper. That was around verse 12. And we see that the popularity of Jesus was growing among the people. It wasn't long before the miracles that Jesus did and the things, the sermons and the teachings that he gave became so popular among the people because he was so different than the priests and the scribes and the leaders. He was so personable. We've been talking about that over the last while. He just knew what to say and how to say it. And he really made an impact. And so we see here, um, uh, however, he says, the report went around concerning him, Jesus, all the more. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him. And then it goes into this amazing story about Jesus forgiving a man and the man's friends bringing this paralytic man to see Jesus. And it, it amazes me. I've got ahead of myself a little bit. Thankfully, I have notes here. My key verse is this section of the verse. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. That's still the same today. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. Do we recognize that? That the power of the Lord is present to heal at all times? The friends of this paralytic, they knew, they knew that Jesus had the power to heal. They had heard it, they had seen it, and they brought their friend. And you know what? They couldn't get in. They couldn't get in, there was no room. You know what, if that was me, I've thought about this. Would I have done what they did? Or would I have just said, well, you know what, he's gonna be going into the next town, that's what he does. We can catch him later. No, they didn't. They took that man, all four corners, and they carried him up to the roof. And they didn't have power tools, Rod. They didn't have power tools to get through the roof they would have had to dig through that roof to get down. Now, can you imagine the, the grin 
on Jesus' face, knowing what was going to mm-hmm. happen, and the people wondering, what is going on? Is this an earthquake? This stuff is starting to come down through the roof. And and the the stir that it would have caused in the people, mm. and when, when they started to lower this man down, their friend, it meant that much to them. They had great faith knowing that if, if Jesus could just say the word, if Jesus could just touch him, if Jesus could just see him, that that man would be healed and changed. And that's exactly what happened. They let that man down. Oh, to have the faith mm. of those four friends mm. to be able to do that, to not give in, but to press in, knowing that the power of the Lord Jesus is always there mm. to heal. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. And we need to, to remember that. Hebrews 11 verse 6 is one of my favorite verses. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, meaning God. For he who comes to God... Listen, must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11, verse that's, 6. That's, that's really that's awesome. interesting and really good. Speaking of faith <laughs> and having faith, Brian. Isn't it great to have yeah, you here? Yeah, it's great to have you here from Kennedy Road Tabernacle in Brampton, Ontario. You came to know the Lord yeah. at 17. Right. Now, you wanted to mow the church's lawn and all that, but what happens to a senior who comes to know the Lord, how does your life change? Well, you just said it, Janice. Uh, what would we have done if we were in that the guy's place? I think the surroundings, the people that you put around you are really important. You know, like right now, going back to school, uh, we, can, we can stress on our kids, do right, uh, be good, you know, be the Christian example, or we can pray. God, surround them with the right surroundings. Mm-hmm. Give them great Christian friends around them. Give them a teacher that could speak life into their life. And I have, I just had the right people. I, I got saved, got involved in a church, used musical talent, you know, started singing in the choir immediately, gained friends that way, figured out that there's a lot of people that went you through You started singing in the choir. Oh, absolutely. Oh, Lord, you just... You don't start at the top. You gotta mow the grass, cut the yard, clean out the toilets for the little children's church area, and then I went to the bigger church and didn't mow the grass. But uh, you, you're at a place where you just keep saying, "God, what is it that you have me to do? What, what is it? What, what's you know? What did I do with your son? And what am I doing with the gifts that you've given to me?" So I just started thinking, you know, what, what can I do? What is it that God's called me? What's my purpose in this world? So I just started. So when, now, now when you went there and you were faced with college decisions and all yeah. of that, that's interesting. Yeah. Where'd you go? Well, I went to a Christian school, uh, Louisiana College. And, so this is a big shift. Oh, it's massive. I, I mean, I'm a brand new Christian, man. It just, you know, my whole life has been lived. You do what you want. You know, come to church every, you know, once or twice a year and, and you're good. You're good to go. But that was the massive change. And you go to a Bible college and it was different. It was, uh, I thought there was going to be a revival, you know, and there's, there's these expectations you have. It's like whenever people go to a healing service or a church service and, you know, they want certain things to happen. When it don't happen, what does that do to your faith? Like, what is it? Who am I? Not just what am I expecting from them? It's the give or the get, you know? So I went to school, wasn't what I expected, transferred back to a uh, state school, which is the second largest school in the Louisiana, which I know there's LSU, but there's also University of Southwestern Louisiana, which now is University of Louisiana. Shout out to the school. <laughs> and because uh, my degree was in music, vocal performance. And so went there and there I'm confronted. 
got all the people that I sang with in high school, all the people that, I, that were my friends in throughout the region, you know, competition stuff, and they're there. So am I going to be a witness there? Am I going to be an influencer there? Or am I just going to suck back into um, doing Brian's old thing of satisfying myself, going to parties, drinking, carousing around, uh, and I had to make a choice. It was a, it was a greater stand for me there than it was at the Christian school because their expectation was everybody was good. You know, but here it was, who, who are you going to stand up for? What's, what's your light going to shine? So when somebody asked you to go to a party or somebody asked you to go do... It was just, no, I I was so involved in other things, though. It just, when you make that shift in life, you're not trying to be over-religious. It's just, I understood there is an eternity. And if I'm not preparing for it now, I'm going to be in big trouble. So I can play the game, go out and do my thing. Shall I continue to sit? That was one of the first verses I memorized. Shall I continue to sense that grace may abound? Absolutely not. Shall I continue to... Some things aren't just that hurtful, harmful, but they're not good for me. So do I keep doing it? I'm just telling you, Rod, it, it was... I almost wanted to call him Pastor Rod. <laughs> He's so amazing. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. It, just, it was just a change. And you start to think, you know, every decision I'm making is... It's, it's character changes. And, and God's not really out to make me comfortable. He wants to make me more like Him. He's not out to make you comfortable. I think that's important. That is an important statement because a lot of people have believed that coming to the Lord, you know, you're going to be able to be comfortable. Oh. God doesn't do that. He stretches you, man. He is, there's constant, uh, the way of the world is easy. That gate, that door is wide. The way of God is so narrow and it's, it's going to, it's in that discomfort, in the pain. You know, I got a sister who's gone through ovarian cancer. I've lost my dad in one year. I lost Kim's father in one year. I lost my older sister in one year. And what are you going to do with it? Does it make you crawl back and say, God, where are you? Or do you, does it make you stand up and say, God, you're here. Like the comfort I'm getting, I hear on a Saturday, my father fell off the house. Sunday, I have to do a church service. I don't have to, but, I, but that's what he would have wanted. Like your whole mindset changes when you become a Christian. It's, it's not so much, you know, how do I feel? But it's, you know, what would God want me to do? I kept thinking, what does my dad want me to do? Then we bury him on a Thursday. And I knew exactly what he wanted me to talk about. And in that service, when you talk about being born for a purpose, 22 people gave their life to Christ. Daddy was an educated man and didn't go very high in school because in that age, uh, he had a tumor, was expected to die at seven years old, 12 years old, 14 years old, but he lived and God made a purpose for him. Yeah, let's, we'll pick that up on the next program. Well, I'd like to remind you that 3.30 in the afternoon Eastern Standard Time that uh, you can join us on Facebook, YouTube, and Bible Discovery TV for a prayer meeting. We'll pray for you and the needs of the world. You can put your prayer in the chat room. and We want you to join us. So why don't you come and join us so we can do that. Today, let's pray and say, Lord, help me to be consistent in my life with you. Help me to be consistent and help me to trust you. Help me to understand you. And help me, Lord, to believe in you. In Jesus' name, amen.